Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to a very zen edition of NerdPod Generations, episode 72. The reason why I say this is zen is because me, Steve Taylor, along with my lovely co-host, Al Jetson, hello sir, hello, friend have had nice. very busy weeks. Oh my god. And so this is like our cool down stage. See, here's the thing, because I agree with you. Yes. I, I do. I agree. This is, we're going to be, we're coming in at like a nice, like, yes. cool five, like, it's not crazy. We got some energy pent up because a lot of cool things are happening. That is true. And what's going on? I cannot guarantee that we will remain at this altitude. There may be some turbulence later on down the road. Interesting. See, this is actually going to be my lowest turbulent week in a while. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Even towards the show that we don't like the most. Mm-hmm. I have less turbulence towards that this week. I I think I would actually agree with that. Overall, there's one, two. There's two big bones that I want to pick with them. Yes. But overall, by and large, yes, not bad. Which we will get into that more. So once again, folks, NerdPod Generations episode 72. If you were listening to us, you obviously found us somehow. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And this, since this is episode 72, we do have 71 previous just solid gold episodes. So please go back and re-listen to some of them. You are missing a ton of great content. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, which we haven't uploaded in like a decade, which we need to upload stuff very yeah. shortly. I have a lot of stuff in my mind that I just have not gotten to, but we will get to that. So go to NerdPod Generations on YouTube. Look up for our channel. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Like the videos. Dislike the videos. Um, hit the notification bell. Do all the bells and whistles you need to do. We are going to be starting this episode, though. Mm-hmm. with something we like to start with when we don't have a million shows to talk about, which we do have a lot to talk about, but not as much as typically. Mm-hmm. We like to start our segments with uh, what have you been watching, playing, reading. Mm-hmm. I am going to lead this one off okay. with Blonde. I've been the waiting Marilyn to Marilyn Monroe yes. biopic. I use quotation You fingers. say biopic. That's very funny. Yes. I say biopic. Yeah, same thing. I know it is. Um, it's just funny. On Netflix. Yes. Um, starring the very lovely uh, Anna Diarmas as Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Holy shit. <laughs> I have been highly anticipating this movie. Yeah. Because it has been all over the airwaves because A, her performance supposedly was amazing. Mm-hmm. And B, it was NC-17. Mind you, I have no idea why this was NC-17. I heard there's a lot of sex in it. It's... Not what you... It's not as graphic. I've seen one scene that was... It, it was more graphic than I've ever seen in any other... There, there's just one scene. There's just one scene. Yeah. I think you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, but it's like... it's like I've seen the same stuff in Basic Instinct type of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like... It's not... It's not changing the world. I haven't seen Basic Instinct, so I can't Well, there, it's got very graphic sex. Yeah. Um, okay. This movie was a dumpster fire. Now, mind you, really? the reason I'm saying this, she is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Except when her accent comes out, uh. which happens more than you would think. And it takes you out of the scenes. Mm. And it sucks because she is giving a unbelievably great performance. But then it, her accent comes out and you're like, oh. Like, it hits you. Like, it's like a jab. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh. The movie itself is, it falls under two main problems. The first problem is the Netflix problem. It, it's yeah. two hours and 42 minutes long. 
It does not need to be two hours and 42 minutes long. Mm -hmm. It is way too freaking long. I had to take two nights to watch this because I fell asleep halfway through the first night. And I had to go back and re-watch what I missed. Second thing is, I totally understand why this is on Netflix. Because it is artsy for artsy's sake. Oh, yeah. Too artsy, in my opinion. Like, it's, it's incoherent in some parts. Where I'm like, like, I can handle... Every type of movie. I love art house movies. I love it when it's done well. And this one just seems to be overly pretentious. Mm-hmm. Is the when I was watching it, I'm just like, this is just too much. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's no truly cohesive flow. Like even a Tarantino movie like Pulp Fiction, where everyone was freaking out because it was jumping through timelines and whatnot, it still had a cohesive flow through it. This does not. It is truly all over the map Mm -hmm. it does bother me that it did this because there are great truly great performances not just of her Mm -hmm. in this movie like the little girl that plays her as younger is lily fisher holy cow Mm -hmm. because like the part showing her growing up with her mother who was a nut job and this little girl's acting was i mean not since I can't think of her name from the piano. She was she played the the daughter in it, and then she was in the Vampire Show. Um, oh, uh, Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. Not since the piano. Watching that performance from a child, have I been more impressed? This girl's fantastic, but it's just too pretentious. Mm. And I was bummed by that because I've been anticipating this because of what I heard, and I am glad that I watched it. Like I don't want to take. I don't want to tell to tell people not to watch it. Watch it. But go in knowing that it is not a traditional movie. It's not even a, in once again, my opinion, well done artsy movie as far as the direction. But the acting in it is dynamite. Is this one of those Oscar bait type movies where you're either going to like it or you're going to hate it? Yeah. Like I could see this getting nominated for a ton of awards just because it is. You know, it's some. It's one of those Oscar. It's not the Oscar bait like the tearjerker, like a Will Smith movie, like mm-hmm. the Pursuit of Happiness, and all that. It's like we're making this to get Oscar nominations. Period. This one is like going to get nominated because it's so out there mm-hmm. that the Oscar people are going to be like, "This is bold," mm-hmm. so we're going to nominate it. It's like bold doesn't automatically mean good. Mm-hmm. Like if she gets a nomination and some of the supporting cast get nominations, totally behind that. The director, the writer. Should not. Cinematographer, maybe, because the, the lighting and everything in the, um, some of the shots are very well done. And I think the main problem is the type of movie it is, if they cut, cut it down to like two hours mm-hmm. and found a way to cut it into a more streamlined narrative, even with the jumping around, I think it would have been better, mm-hmm. much better. But just being as long as it is, as out there as it is, I just, I and I tried, like I said, I've watched it over two nights. I went back that second time, I gave it a shot, and it's just not, not, it's not there. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check it out, because I'm genuinely curious. I haven't seen it. I've seen shot or, no. uh, scenes of it, but I haven't seen it. Um, so I'm genuinely curious what it's going to be. And the sex scenes mm-hmm. remind me of like a Lars von Trier. Where they're not necessary, they're put in for shock value. Yeah. And that's unfortunate too because once again, she is so great Mm -hmm. that it almost takes away – like I think she's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But 
I almost didn't want to see her naked in this because it's like, it seems like it takes away from her performance by throwing in naked scenes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a scene with her and two guys where there's, like, this big three-way, and it just, it was unnecessary. Mm. Like, I can understand, I kind of get a little bit what they were going for, like, her, kind of like her sexual awakening type of thing, but it just didn't seem necessary to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, even, like, there was a big deal about a rape scene in the beginning, and luckily, they don't, you don't see anything. You, it's more just sounds and, like, a zoom on her face. Which is, I was grateful for because I hate when they do rapes in movies because it's like you don't need. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a scene, that's a type of thing where you can insinuate that it happened. Yeah. You do not need to show a rape. Yeah. No. No. It's, it's, no. That's, I kind of draw, like, rape and violence towards children, those two things, is a lot, like, you don't need it. Like, uh, uh, Dr. Sleep, that one scene that I love, and I, I hate to say that I love it, but where they're killing that child... You don't see it. Mm-hmm. You hear it, which is more messed up. Seeing it would be almost like a snuff film. You don't yeah. need to see it. No, exactly. That's that's one of those things where good filmmaking has to take over. Exactly. And it's not so much about discretion as it is about telling a good story. Because exactly. Because if you were to actually go through the... I agree with you. If you go through it and actually show everything, it turns it into something worse. Yeah. No, it's... <laughs> Different and worse. And so I was kind of happy about it. So yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I still recommend people to see it just because of the performances, but also understand that it is not an easy movie to sit through. And if you are like me and you're you're kind of easily taken out of a scene by something like her accent kicking mm-hmm. in, be warned that you're going to get that Mm -hmm. because for the most part, she pulls off the Marilyn Monroe voice perfectly Mm -hmm. until she doesn't. Is it one of those things? Cause this is, you know, an issue with biopics is whether it's a, uh, imitation Mm -hmm. or an evocation of the person. See, I don't even think it's an imitation. It's like they use, she uses some of the inflections that Marilyn Monroe had in her voice, but it's not like a straight out trying to duplicate it. Like yeah. I, I saw, I, I haven't seen the Elvis movie yet, but I've seen parts of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, he's doing an Elvis impersonation. Yeah. I wouldn't say she's doing a Marilyn Monroe impersonation. I would say she's just close to the voice. Yeah. Which is nice. Okay. But once again, it throws it off when yeah, her accent comes out. Because there's an element of it that's not necessarily trying to be perfectly Marilyn Monroe exactly when it doesn't have that one-to-one ratio you can tell exactly I got you I'm picking up a bunch of putting um, down so yeah so once again I just I just you know it's like one of those artsy movies that would have been perfect at like an hour and 45 minutes yeah you know it's like you would have got your point across you didn't need to have 75 camera angles and black and white and then noir and, all, and then you know it's you don't need all of that that's just a Netflix problem. Yeah. You know, they're like, you make it as long as you want, do whatever you want. We're not going to give you notes like Netflix does with every freaking movie. And that's the problem with this. This yeah. is just too goddamn long. I can't wait. We're not going to go into it because we don't have time. I mean, we do, but we don't. We're not going to take the time to, uh-huh. to do it. But I can't wait for the documentary that comes out in 15 years that goes over the rise and fall of Netflix and we can finally find out what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Because every day I hear that they're broke. And then I see that they do something like this. And I'm just like, these two things do not correlate. I, I don't understand. Well, the big problem they're having is it's like, dude, you have too much content. Mm-hmm. 
you have it's it's almost like the Wii. The Nintendo Wii. It oh. had some great content and it was mostly fluff. It was a ton of bloatware yeah. and then like a handful of actually. Really and that's good what games. Netflix is. Yeah. It's a hundred percent what Netflix is. And it's like you look at a you look at a streaming service like Paramount Plus, that's more streamlined. Mm-hmm. Like that's got some solid shows, it has some crap, but then it has all network stuff. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, okay. Like, I'm not getting overwhelmed. Like, I go in there knowing. Where Netflix is like, Jesus, I don't know. And then you start watching. Like, I watched that Resident Evil series. And it was terrible. Yeah. But it was like, oh, well, that's a Resident Evil. So I'm going to watch. And now I'm like, why would I watch that? Yeah. Same with all the Adam Sandler movies. I'm like, why did I watch that? Yeah. That I still can't answer for you. It's just, I'm a, it's like, it's like I'm a, a Saw fan. And I just want to watch, like, you want to see the torture porn of Adam Sandler. Yeah, and, and really, even though it's comedies, it's still torture porn. Yeah. Because it's torture to watch it. Yeah. But you're like, I can't look away. I gotta watch it. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Um, there's two things that I'm, I want to talk about. Okay. And, and one thing that I have actually been watching. Okay. Um, but there's two things that I need to talk about. Very interesting. So the first one, and the one that's much more important, and the one that is actually driving my soul forward in time at this moment is the fact that community fans it's fucking happening baby movie baby it's fucking happening we get the and a movie it's happening we got our six seasons we're gonna get and a movie and i'm so fucking pumped i will definitely be getting peacock just for this i am Beyond excited. Oh, I was it a Peacock only? I, I don't know if it's a Peacock only, but I'm... I um, didn't know if it would be like a theatrical release or something. I have no idea. We're going to see. But I'm super fucking pumped. I wonder if they're going to get Chevy Chase for this. <sighs> They've talked about that in the past. Because his character is dead. Yeah. His character dies and is uh, left as a hologram mm. that has one message recorded on it. So I could see them going back and referencing that. But, but I, I could always... I, in thinking of the, because they've been talking about doing a movie for years, I for thought years. about like doing a comedy part of it where he's like a force ghost or something, mm-hmm. just so he's because even though he was out of the last couple seasons, he was still such a he was owner of that. So show. this is the hardest part about. I mean, there's so many things mm-hmm. I love about Community. Anybody who hasn't watched it, you fucking need to. Oh, it's such a great like show. if if I have friends and relatives that love The Big Bang Theory, and I'm just like no 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 no. This is nerd bullshit. This isn't. This is not nerd. This is someone else who has no idea what nerds are saying that this is what nerds are. The Big Bang Theory to me is the Forrest Gump of TV shows. To where I liked it at first, but now I go back and look, and I'm like, it really wasn't that good. It's very bad. There was one episode, and that's where she gives him the napkin with Leonard Nimoy autograph, where he wiped his mouth. It's the only thing I still laugh at. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. No, Everything I, else is. I've never liked Big Bang Theory. I've always found it mildly offensive as yeah. a nerd. <laughs> I really don't like it. Um, but if you're a nerd, you fucking need to watch Community. The community because so it's so good. fucking good. It's so mind-bendingly good. And if you're if you're a TV nerd, if you're a movie nerd, if you're a nerd nerd, if you like things that are nerdy, you have to fucking watch Community. But the the interesting thing about it Mm. is that chevy chase's character pierce is as close to a consistent villain as you get in the show to the point where they they one of the ongoing plot lines is is pierce the villain of this season Mm. and uh it 
Which Chevy Chase was the villain of that show. He was the, the villain scenes. of that show. Yes. Uh, everybody hated him. Yeah. And I don't blame them from the stories I've heard. Yeah. I've, I've heard he was as awful as Pierce is yep. uh, as a character. And Pierce does some truly reprehensible things. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just like, I don't know. And I don't know if I would want him back. You know who I really want back? I want... Uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. He was the guy in um, Breaking Bad who uh the bald guy not walter white but the the enforcer that worked for gus yes i know who you're talking about he i can't remember his name i, remember, I know who you're talking about totally blanking on it yeah. but i want him back because he was one of my favorite characters yeah. he was awesome he was only in one season the highly underrated fifth season where they got back on track after the fourth season derailed they got back on track for season five jonathan banks yes. plays mike and i just I love season five. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what they do. The thing that frustrates me about that show is every time I watch it, it makes me mad that no one is using Joe McHale in anything right now. It's like he is so talented and funny. See, I don't like Joe McHale. Oh, I love Joe so McHale. So the, the great thing about it is that you're not supposed to like Jeff. Oh, yeah. No, you're not <laughs> supposed to like it. But like, I loved The Soup before he was on that show. Mm-hmm. And so even on that show, you're not supposed to like him, but he's just, I love him. Yeah. Like, you don't, I don't like him. I love him. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's... I, I can feel that. That's how I feel about uh, Don Glover and oh, Don Glover uh, is... Danny Pudi. And that. Those oh, two are the God. best. Please, Don Glover, please come back. Please come back. Oh, yeah, because Atlanta's ending. Atlanta's so... over. You're, you're in between projects. Just please got come to. back. Just please. He's got to. I know you wanted to kind of, you know, disassociate yourself from your comedy and stuff, but like, it would mean that. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be that show without him. Oh no! You. If, oh my god! I love season five and six, mm. but the show takes a serious turn when Troy leaves. Yeah, there's just a, a real vacuum left by Troy that is never filled. They season five and six. Several of the actors have moved on or are in the process of moving on, mm. and so they try and plant in new characters to kind of. Um, take the place of those mm-hmm. actors and uh they never even tried with troy there wasn't really anything to, no, to, no. to try and do but it's just like i love that show it reminds me of scott pilgrim mm. where you're watching it and suddenly someone shows up and you're like holy shit this person's here holy shit chris evans is in this movie which i watched it again recently and i love yeah. that movie so much and in the same vein yeah. the exact same vein you're watching community you're watching community is that Brie Larson playing a coat room girl? Yeah. Is she good? She's going to come back. She's going to be a recurring character on this show. This fucking show is great. I fucking love this show. Yeah. Oh my God. There were a lot of cameos in that show. I fucking love that show so much. Um, so I'm, I'm super pumped for and a movie. I hope it's called and a movie, mm. but that I can't, I can't fucking wait for. Uh, we have to talk about Deadpool because. Oh my God. I'm not thinking about talking about that. <laughs> we have to talk about it. So they, they, Quote unquote, released a quote unquote trailer. He is a marketing genius, he Ryan Reynolds. He's already started. Yeah. He's already started. Well, this like, do you remember the Deadpool 2015. 2 teaser? Do you remember 2015 when Deadpool was coming out in the first place? Well, yeah, and he leaked the footage. But then the Deadpool 2, where he's tr- trying to save the guy and he's in the phone booth changing and yeah. he gets out of the guy's dead. Yeah. It's like, that's genius. It has nothing to do with Deadpool 2. Yeah. But it's genius. Well, it's just like, I, I look back at 2015. When the guerrilla marketing campaign oh of the God. century happened for the first Deadpool movie, 
That the Cialis commercial with him in the bathtub. Just all of it. Oh my god! Any of them. Take your pick. Genius. The one, the one that was for uh, Cinco de Mayo, yes. and then like a little while later they did Australia Day. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, it's so good. It's all of it's amazing. And all the of billboards it is so that said "Love Never Dies" and it just has him and the woman. It says Deadpool because it came out on Valentine's yes. Day. Yes. Oh <laughs> my Do you god. Have any women he pissed off oh my god! It was so fucking good. Oh. And on top of that, the movie is still. In my top five superhero movies. Oh, yeah. Fully, period, oh, yeah. the end. It is so fucking good. Yeah. The the thing that I always go back to is not only is it an amazing, immaculate, lightning-in-a-bottle Deadpool movie, he brought Colossus along as yeah. well. It's Colossus, guys. He's here. And it was a really well-done Colossus. It's, it's Colossus. It's not like they told us that this is Colossus. Hey, yeah. guys, it's Colossus. And we were like, that's not Colossus. This is Colossus. As soon as I heard his Russian accent, I'm like, he's got it. Red suit. Yes. Oh. Oh. No. It was, it was, uh, here, take this power bar. Breakfast, most important meal of day. Yes. That was the moment I was like, fucking yes. Fucking yes. (laughs) You will need your string. (laughs) And then the second one when he talks about it, he jerks off in the soap dispenser and classes, smells his hands. I'm like, yes. I love this. Oh my God. But no, this, this was brilliant. Yeah. And then having I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston playing. It was genius. Well, like that was the thing is that so for anybody who doesn't know, for the uh. people living under rocks, um, the, there's a trailer where Ryan Reynolds is sitting on a couch saying, "I've been trying to come up with what I want to do for Deadpool," and Tim kind of like walking around his house in the Deadpool costume, kind of like lackadaisically, like mm-hmm. looking through stuff, going through his daily routine. He's like, "I don't have any ideas," and he turns and he says, "Well, I have one idea." And he looks and he says, Hugh, you want to be Wolverine one more time? And Hugh Jackman walks through the background and he's like, yeah, sure. And so he's like, I guess that's happening. I just love he does a little eyebrow up yeah. what he does. So awesome. And so then they come up with a, a follow-up the next day, oh, which is genius. both of them sitting on the couch. Genius. And they're, quote, unquote, talking about what the movie's going to be about. Well, wake me up before I go-go by yeah. the wham. Comes yeah. And, and it cuts <laughs> to them saying, Kevin Feige, we love you. You're the best. Um and it's so funny. Do you know the YouTube channel John Boy? Are you aware of no. this? So this is a baseball fan who reads lips. And so he watches the managers arguing with the umpires or the players arguing with the umpires. And he reads their lips to find out what's going on and what's happening. And he does these really incredible in-depth reviews. So he did a lip reading of Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman on the couch mm. and what they're saying. And it amounts to nothing. <laughs> it, amounts, it amounts to them basically saying, like, we're in our prime He's chasing me all over the place. I have swords. He stabs me in the head, but I'm fine, and it's great, and we all have fun. And uh, so I'm just sitting here, like, my big question after all of this, and I text. this was the first thing I texted you when you sent me the trailer, was, it's 15 minutes. This no, dude's going to be in this for 15 I, I minutes. Am, I think it would be impossible for them to do that. This is not an X because I've heard people like oh, so like X Force. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is an X Force thing because they have. He has been talking about this. Like I think Ryan Reynolds wouldn't let this happen because he has wanted this. I think more than we have. Mm-hmm. So I think not only do I think this is going to be like a buddy travel movie. If they're smart, this could be the send off to the Fox X Men. Have them somehow in this movie, even yeah. if they're in for like a cameo and they get killed off or something, like they're from a different universe. We already have Patrick Stewart, yeah, but have like McAvoy and all of them come in and like just die like X Force, and that's their send off. Mm-hmm. I think that would be genius. I I can't wait. This is my most anticipated movie now. It's two yeah. years out. 
I can't I, fucking wait. That's the other thing is it doesn't come out until 2024. Yeah. <laughs> it's like September 2024. I can't wait. Oh my god. I'm very... I, I, I'm... Here's my thing. I have a touch-and-go relationship with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine in the first place. Yes. He is in that list of most miscast characters, full stop, I've seen in comics. Yes, mainly because of his height. Exactly because of his height. <laughs> yes. Uh, he is almost a foot taller than Wolverine is supposed to be. Yes. So, it just, there's, that part of it is very important to me. He also doesn't have, like, the fangs. He's not feral enough. There's mm-hmm. just a lot of things that just aren't quite there. This is kind of like, it's a PG-13 Wolverine. And, yeah. you know, Logan is great and everything. And See, lo- this is where I'm, a, this is where my only concern is. Mm-hmm. To me, Logan is the end of Indiana Jones 3 riding off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Now, is this going to be Indiana Jones 4? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, he shouldn't have come back. Once again, I think my thing is I just have faith in Ryan Reynolds. I have the utmost faith because he has more love for this character than any human being alive. Mm-hmm. And I have faith that he's not going to screw it up. Yeah. I'm very curious. I wouldn't mind if they use this as a, as a jumping off point to have a new Wolverine of some kind, of one kind or another come yeah. in. I wouldn't say no to that. See, they can even use this as like a Doctor Who reference. Yeah. Have well, like... that was the other idea is that he has the time machine now. Yeah. At the end of Deadpool 2, he has the time machine thing that Cable gave him, and he quote unquote, fixes it so it doesn't just have one charge left. Um, so I'm wondering, is that where he's going to pick up Wolverine know. from? Is that what the story's going to be? I mean, I will get a full-on erection if he goes back and picks up Wolverine with Alpha Flight. Like I was talking to a buddy of mine at work, the 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 guy that listens to our show now. Who shout out to Billy, love you, buddy. Um, he never heard of Elf Flight, and so I was telling him about it, and I'm like, that to me, they cannot reboot the X Men or Wolverine at least without Alpha Flight. And if even if it's like a call out in this uh-huh. movie or something, it's like, why would you not? Yeah. So I'm I, I it'll never happen. Like I am certain it'll never happen. I would love because we're gonna get to this in She Hulk. They're slowly introducing the idea of mutants. Yes. And they're doing it much better than they had been. When, like before like they came out and with, with like a giant, like, you know, those flags that you can see from two miles yes. away. Oh, yes. That are the size of a football field. They came out with one of those and they're like, oh, mutants. And it's like, can we do maybe subtler? Yeah. <laughs> maybe not this. We're not going to do this. Yeah. But uh, I, I love the idea of doing an Alpha Flight movie. And at the end, they go and recruit somebody, and it's Wolverine, and then we meet the new Wolverine in some bar. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man. And then you have, you could even transition Alpha Flight from, like, a movie to do a movie or even do a TV series. Yeah. They're perfect. Oh, my God. Perfect. I would love it so much. It would be so fucking rad. So, yeah. So, this is my new my new top anticipated movie. Yeah. Deadpool 3. Yeah. Cannot fucking I, I hope they pull it off. I can't I can't wait to see who they have as a director. And we need to briefly touch on yeah. big news that happened over the last two days, which was my anticipated movie, even though I was nervous about it. The shit show that is Blade. Uh-oh. Did news come out about Blade? They lost their director. Oh, bad. They had to hire a new writer who is tearing the script down and starting over. Oh, God. And number three, Mahershala Ali supposedly is pissed that things are going the way it is. I bet he is. So my theory is he's, he's gonna never going to play Blade. He's going to go. Because they are they lost the director. Because yeah. he was mad the way things were going because everything was going so slow because the way Marvel does it now with, yeah. oh, well, we need this to fit in the timeline. And it's like, well, stop getting these people like come up with a story or something and then maybe two years out then do these 
But what Mahershala Ali was two years ago when the announcement something like that. It was something yeah, like that. it was years ago. And now, now, like, if they're rewriting it, it's at least three years out yeah. from the Blade movie. So five years from announcing him to the movie coming out, or it's going to be a shit show like Solo, where they try and just bust out a new version of the movie, kind of loosely based on the other version, and they just shit know. this thing out, and it's like not good. And but like I'm, like it's such a shame too because the the first Blades were so good, at least the first two were so good, and then it's like you have this built-in fan base who loves those Blade movies, and they love Mahershala Ali because he's a fantastic actor, and you're going to fuck it up. You're going to blow it. Absolutely going to fuck you're gonna it You're going to blow it. And that made me very sad. It yeah. makes me, sometime over this next month, because it's Halloween time, I'm going to rewatch the Blade movies, and I'm like, I can't wait. Blade 1. It's brilliant. Well, it's one of those movies where I desperately, deeply, powerfully want someone to go back and fix the cgi at the oh end. at the end yeah it's horrible that's I, terrible not, i'm not kidding i enjoy that movie right up until that scene and then that scene blows the entire movie yeah, it does. it's it really does. cgi is so atrociously yeah. early 2000s bad and it's just it's not even it's like late 90s yeah it's bad. Late 90s bad it's uh it's really bad yeah. and i just like if you were to go back and fix that that whole movie is serviceable now. Especially, like, that is one of the best openings mm-hmm. in, in the dance club. It's just so great. Yeah. And it's like, fuck, yeah. why do you gotta do that? So I was gonna talk about my Buffalo Bills, because uh, yes. we're at the quarter season point as of Sunday. Um, but we're running a little light on time, so I'm gonna squeeze this down. They're still gonna win the Super Bowl. We're still gonna win. That's gonna be the case. I, 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 gotta, I gotta be hopeful, because... See, looking back at it now... Mm-hmm. The worst thing about that loss mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the Buffalo Bills. Oh, yeah. Tua easily could have died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and his career might be horribly altered after this because oh, yeah. there's... I don't want to hear his back was hurt. No, it's that not was a That was an effing concussion. Yeah. And then what happened yesterday. Yeah. So anybody who doesn't know football, um, the, the Bills played the Dolphins mm. on Sunday. And during that game, my boy Matt Milano gave... Uh, the Dolphins a quarterback, a hard push. Yes, at the end of the second quarter. Yeah, and Tua goes down, and he bangs his head on the, the turf. And he gets up, and he does what they call shaking the cobwebs, where you just shake your head a little bit, trying to like clear the cobwebs out. And he stands up, and he almost falls over. And he stands up again, he shakes his head again, and he has to li- lean on a lineman because he's going to fall over again. And then he has to sit down because he loses his balance again. Yeah. And then they take him to the locker room. And meanwhile... It's 112 degrees with the humidity out. It's fucking insanely hot. I've never hot. seen more players fall out of a game than for the Bills. It was insane. How jo- Josh Allen should get the MVP right now, throwing it 62 times and almost winning that game single-handedly. I, like, that's how hard he fought. Like So, quick aside, we lose. The Bills yes. lose this game because of multiple things. One, we did not capitalize on, like, Five scoring opportunities. Oh, four. Milano four scoring opportunities. Milano dropping the oh interception. Bass shanking the one kick. Allen dirting one ball right at McKenzie's feet. And then there was another... The uh, drop touchdown. Yeah. Allen threw right in the dude's hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was just like, so we had so many opportunities to win. We blew so many chances. If we had gone any single one of them, then the glory that is the butt punt. Where the punter yes. for the Dolphins was backed up in his end zone, he punts the ball. It goes right off the ass of his uh, blocker and flies backwards out of the end zone, and we get two points. And if that had happened, and we had even gotten just that one field goal, 
that's game. Mm-hmm. We win, they have to kick it to us, and then we just have to get two first downs and we're done. And I'm just like, God damn it, if we had done any of those things. But that that's the fan in me being like, God damn it. And also like Dolphins fans who are like, yeah, we beat the Bills. I'm like, yeah, you beat the Bills when A, we're strapped for a secondary. We have no secondary right now on defense. And B, it was a hundred and fucking twelve degrees. It's like how the Patriots beat us last year yeah. when it was the fucking windstorm game. And it's like, oh, we beat or the Bills. Or even this year when the Bears beat the Niners in week yeah. one in a monsoon. It's like how no, yeah. you did not just beat us. Yeah. You had so many elements going Even for Even though it. I got to say on that punt, I was yelling at the TV to the Bills, do not rush the punter. No. Because you wanted him to get it out of the end zone. Because he would have only kicked it to the 30-yard line. Oh, yeah. And they would have gone and probably scored his touchdown. Oh, yeah. Like that safety would have killed him because then he kicked, They he did the, the butt punt, or not the butt punt. The punt after that, they kicked it all the way down to like yeah. the fifteen yard line. We had to actually like drive downfield yeah. at that point. No, that's the other thing is that like as much as I like my soul left my body when Allen dirted that ball at Mackenzie's feet. Like I died for like a full thirty. Allen had nothing left. He, you can see him on the sidelines. His hand is cramping up. Yeah, like. Not only is his body cramping up, his hand is cramping up yeah. from having to throw all day. And I'm like, this is the thing. I can't complain because they tried so fucking hard and they left it all on the floor. And it's just blown opportunities and we need to be better. And also, why the fuck did Tua come back in the second half of this game when he was clearly concussed? Or at least in a position where he was probably concussed. Yeah. Like if you he have, was definitely concussed. If you have two symptoms of a concussion... I don't care if you're answering all the questions correctly. You know what day it is. You know who's president. You should not be playing anymore. Exactly. You should sit for at least 10 days while, you know, your brain recovers from slamming the inside of your skull. And so... And from somebody who's had... And and what Tua said is he said it was his back. Yes. I have had multiple back injuries in my life. When your back is out, you can't move. No. You don't stumble. You don't flop over. No. You are... In so much pain, you can't even move. He would not have gotten off the ground in the first place no, if his back had gone out. Nope. He would have been laying there like this with his hand on his on the small yes. of his back, rolling around. And in that's pain. what Shannon Sharp today on on um, or yes yeah today on first take he was talking about. It. He goes, whenever you hurt yourself, your hand goes to that part. When he got up, his hands went to his head because mm-hmm. his head was gone. Yeah, no, and and so uh, to to finish the story, yeah. anybody who doesn't watch football. Uh, Tua plays four days later against the Bengals and takes a monster hit on a sack and goes into a full seizure on the field. And it's terrifying. Yeah. It's not good. And it's just like, it's one of those things where the NFL, nobody's talking about how the Bengals won. I'm talking about how the Bengals won because the Dolphins lost. Ha. Fuck you guys. But like, I'm sorry about your quarterback. That has nothing to do with the fuck you guys. Exactly. The fuck you guys is because like your fucking defense harangued us all day and they should have gotten tired and i'm really frustrated about how the fact that they didn't get tired even though we were out there for fucking so fucking long in 120 degree heat um anyway i hope he's okay i do too but obviously this is going to be one of those again come to jesus moments for the nfl of like what are you guys gonna do because the entire world's watching right now because everybody watched this guy have a full-on seizure at midfield yeah when he took another hit he, because he was playing after... Like, A, he should never have gone back in that game no. against the Bills. But B, he definitely should not be playing <laughs> should not have been playing later. this game. No way. 
And no I way. love the coach. He's like, I would never put my player in a position. Bullshit. Bullshit. Anyone that has two eyes and a brain mm-hmm. knows he got concussed against Buffalo. Yeah. Like you said, I don't care what he says to the doctor, he is concussed. There's no you way. You keep him out of the game. There's absolutely no way in hell this guy's yeah. not concussed. The best I heard was Ben Roethlisberger was talking about how Mike Tomlin talked like his players were like his children mm-hmm. and he said i he i can't remember who it was it was a it was one of the players on the Steelers a few years ago who was hurt but then he said he could play and tomlin was like i don't care how important this game is you're not playing yeah and that's what miami's coach should have done yeah and it's like that's inexcusable yeah i mean no matter what the doctors say no matter what he says yes. it's your job as the coach to be like no we're not doing this and then to have four days and be like i'm gonna think about this for four days and i'm still gonna start the guy Bad ideas. Bad ideas. So I just think back to the end of Steve Young and Troy Aikman's careers. Yeah. Where they were concussed all the time and it severely impacted their ability to play the game. And and the thing is, is they're still youngish. Yeah. We don't know how they're going to be when they're 60. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. ALS, um, dementia, all of those are huge outliers of having CTE. Yeah. So it's like. They definitely have CTE. Yeah. Like, these guys that have multiple concussions, they have it. They, it's what's going to be the long-term prognosis. I saw a guy on ESPN talking today who had uh, the locker next to Junior Seau. Mm. And he started choking up when he was talking about it because, like, you can see it. Yeah. You can see it once it starts happening. And you don't want that for anybody. No. And, like, I hate the Dolphins. I don't want this for Tua. No, this not is, at all. No one would want this for Tua. I, You know, like, I used to joke about Tom Brady blowing out his knee. Like, that's the most I'll joke about a, a player I hate getting injured. Yeah. Is, like, I hope your ligaments snap or something. Like, God, fuck you, I hate you. But, I, like, not this. Yeah. Not this. Yeah. When you're screwing with something that can affect the rest of his life. Or yeah, shorten it exactly. massively. Yeah. Like, he should not play again the rest of the season, period. No. He at should all. not, at least not for the next two weeks. No. There's talk of him saying until the bye week. I think their bye week is week no. eight. There's no way he should be playing. Yeah. At all. It was like, really bad. And for Miami, the the investment they have in him. Yeah. He's made $25 million already in his career. So it's like, you have money, yeah. unless you blew it all. You have money. The investment Miami has in him, it's like, they should want him to not play right now. Yeah. Like, Teddy Bridgewater is a solid quarterback, and yeah, he was thrown into the game yesterday and didn't do great, but he, you could see signs of him. I think after a couple weeks with the first team, he'll be fine. Yeah. His upside isn't as high as to us, no. but he's still better than, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick oh, yeah. was a few when years ago. When he was ago. in Minnesota before he blew out his knees, he was great. Yeah. Like, he was in talks for MVP those first I years. always keep track of who the Dolphins get because I hate the Dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> I really hate the Dolphins. And uh, I... When I saw that they got Teddy Bridgewater, I was like, the fucking hell, this sucks. Because, like, that's an actual problem for us. That's a great us. backup. That's yeah. a problem for us that we have to deal with. Where... That's why I was kind of hoping that Buffalo could have hold on, held on to Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Because I love Mitch. He's not a starter. He's a very good backup. Yeah, he's he's. I have mixed feelings about Trubisky as a whole. I like Case Keenum because he has the Minnesota miracle on his. Yeah, but he record. just has gone around the block. No, I know long. he's been around yeah. everywhere. But. Like Mitch was young enough; he'd only been in the league a few years that I think they could have worked with him and just made him into a bill. Yeah, and like he could have been what was it? Um, Ben Roethlisberger had Charlie Batch for like a decade as his backup. Jim Kelly had Alex Van Pelt exactly. for fucking ever. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. This would have been like all right. You're a backup, but you're a, you're like compadres. Kind of what Blaine Gabbard is right now with Tom Brady. Yeah. Like, who saw that coming? Blaine Gabbard, who came into league like a 
fucking solid seven years after Tom Brady, yeah. and now he's like Tom Brady's kind of like Robin pseudo coach. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and the other thing is that Blaine Gabbert. This is coming from a guy who's never played football at any level, yeah. not high school, not collegiate, never played football, just a huge fan, watched it since mm. I was fucking seven. Blaine Gabbert's awful. Yeah. He's terrible. And he's he won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. But he's a serviceable backup. That's the thing. These guys who are horrible starters, they're just good enough as backups yeah. when they need them. We're going to have to do an actual NFL show sometime. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Maybe before the Super Bowl. We'll we should do an NFL We should show. move on and, and uh, yes. talk about Rings of Power. Um, but I, I will say, I hope the Bills get their feet back on. We got Baltimore this week. I they will. They're gonna get. We got to get our feet back on. Yes. Yeah. All right. So Rings of Power, um, episode five, and we will bring Kelly Judson into this conversation yes. as always. Hello, my lovely wife. Yes. Also a Bills fan is now going to enter the conversation. Yes. So our resident Stan. Once again, I, I'm going to start this discussion. Episode five, Rings of Power. Mm-hmm. We th- we are recording this Friday night, so episode six has come out. We, we have not watched, watched it, yet. so we're talking about five. We have busy lives, people. We but can't keep on top of this. Everything shit. I've heard about this episode is all the criticisms I had, including this one we're going to be talking about, are resolved in episode six. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, episode five. I the big takeaway for me in this is my storyline that I'm starting to like has moved away from the Elrond Dwarf one to Gandalf and the Hobbits. Really? I'm starting to like their interactions mm-hmm. and where he's like starting to understand things a little more and he uses magic a little more in this episode mm-hmm. where he had to fight off, what was it, the... I have no idea just what the they creatures were. that came out they, of the... So they called them wolves... They are not wolves. <laughs> they look like a mix between a wolf and a and a, a, a boar. War. They were ugly. Yeah. They, so you know what they remind me of is the the dogs that ransacked the village in Willow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's they what they remind like me the yes. most of. But these were CGI, not just no, dogs with fur no. taped on them. No. Um, but I'm starting to really like not only that, but the 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 young Hobbit who's like his main guardian. Yeah. I'm really enjoying their interactions a little more. Like it's it's not an ex, like overly exciting part of the show, mm-hmm. but it's it's got more heart, yeah. I think, than a lot of the other storylines. I still find it to be a little slow. I'm glad that something happened in this episode. Yes, because there was like the whole. First off, I thought that they were already lost because the episode starts and the family of hobbits is basically just wandering around in the woods. Yes. And it's like, you know, they're like, why'd they come this way? And my first thought is like, they didn't come this way. You're 100% lost. And then we see that they actually did come this way. Yeah. And they're also 100% lost. And they're going to blame the stranger for all this bad stuff happening. And then the stranger saves. Saves them. Yeah. And like helps them through the swamp by pushing the cart because they didn't think they'd be able to make it through yeah. the swamp and all that. And so it's like, it's it's interesting. I really like the part where he's healing himself and the hobbit comes over and is like, what are you doing? And puts her hand on yeah. it, and suddenly her hand's frozen to his arm. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I'm curious. I'm still a little the Hobbit Society as a whole. I don't find gripping. And yeah. So I I find like, you know, it there's elements of it that I find interesting, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's just something about. Like I'm it. assuming they're gonna end up at the Shire, or oh, what's yeah. going to become the Shire. The Shire, clearly, yeah. So. I'm hoping it really, because you're right, the the rest of the Hobbits I'm not really into, but they didn't really delve too deep into the rest of the Hobbits. It was mainly the interaction yeah. between Gandalf and her. But yeah, I'm hoping that kicks in once they get to where the Shire's going to be, yeah. and they lay down their roots. How do you feel about Hobbits? Or 
Harfoots. Harfoots. Yes, they are apparently. Um, I I think where they're migrating to is where they're going to settle. Yeah. yeah. I have a sneaking suspicion. Yeah, I think. I feel this, like that would make sense story wise. Yeah, this if is for the, nothing else. This is the thing: is that as as far as being a Lord of the Rings fan goes, and you know what that really means at this point is more movies than the mm. book. I as, you know as much as my mom chagrins that it's the same way that like more people have watched Spider Man movies than read Spider Man comics at mm. this point. That's just true. Um, Same with the Harry Potter movies. Now. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why people get angry when the interpretation is bad. Yeah. Anyway, you can see everything kind of lining up as as every, you know, the pieces are set up on the table. You're like, okay, they're going to the Shire. Or, okay, this is what's going on over here. Okay. The Mordor is clearly being formed over here. I'm, I'm curious to see where they go. I, I do think the Elrond stuff is still probably the part that I like the most. But, oh, and this episode just solidifies that yeah. so much. I love the table bit that Durin pulls, mm-hmm. where he. So they're sitting at a, a a table with the elves doing like the, you know, we're building a treaty between mm-hmm. our people, and the king of the elves is like, "Hey, I think you found something special." And Durin's like, "I don't know what the fuck you're talking about." And the king of the elves is like, "I think you found something special." And Durin's like. I think you use sacred stones to make a dining room table. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. <laughs> and, then, and I love that the solution is, we're going to gift you this table. We're just going to give the table back to you. Yeah. Sorry that was funny. for that. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that bit. And I, I did find the, the trials of Elrond interesting. Yes. I, I, it was one of those things that felt a little forced at first, but the resolution on it was satisfactory enough that I was like, okay, I'll take yeah. it. Oh my God. His and Doran's relationship is just so... Those two actors also just have a really good chemistry, yeah. I think. Yeah, very much so. So I think it works really well. And the way that they have the scenes laid out, just, you know, it it heightens that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And it makes it all the more heartbreaking when you think, in Fellowship of the Ring, yeah. when... Elrond's complaining about dwarves, and it's like, oh no, God, what happened? <laughs> what happened in that he time? turned into a boomer. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> um, but like, once again, we encountered the same problem that keeps coming up—the Glandria stuff. Well, so specifically, before we go any further, I need you to say her name. Glandria. You're so close. Galadria. Galadriel. Galadriel. I say it wrong. I, <laughs> in my life, there are certain things that are important. <laughs> say your name properly. As long as I'm 90% there, I'm happy. Yeah. But, like, they got to stop slow motioning her. When she walks onto the ship in her armor, and it took, like, 15 minutes for her to walk onto the ship. I like that scene. I thought that was cool. I like that. It was all right, but it was like, okay. Yeah. It's like Michael Bay slow motion. Come on. There were there were a few things I liked. I Mm. liked the fight scene and the the square. Oh, and that was good. I give you that. I like kind of the the feel of the Numenorians getting ready for war Mm. and everything that goes in with that. However, (laughs) the inevitable. However, I don't fucking care about this boyfriend, even if he ends up becoming a saboteur. I don't fucking care. Yeah. There's nothing you can do it. to make me care. And the longer you spend with him and the more hushed conversations he has with characters who I also don't care about, the more time I'm spending being there like, we could be doing literally anything else. Yeah. And it would be a more effective, more interesting 
use of our time. We could be in the west of Numenor, which you guys keep referencing, mm-hmm. and which still means nothing to me. It's ultimately going to be a MacGuffin. It's never going to mean anything to anybody. Cause yeah. It was always just like, what is a sealed door going to do? Is he going to go to the West or is he going to go fight in Mordor? I wonder what he's going to do. But like... Uh... <laughs> and that's the thing. Is it's kind of... This is the one part of the show that falls into the we know what's going to happen with this yeah. character. Yeah. It's like, we know where he's going. You yeah. hear it's sealed door and you're like, ooh. I know that name. Yeah. yeah. So it's like... Duh, we know where he's going. Like, like, there's zero, like, all of this stuff where they're trying to make it, oh, what's going to happen? We know what's going to fucking happen. Yeah. I, I like the ceremony of them leaving the town. Mm. I know, again, that was another one of those drawn-out scenes, but it reminded me of a happier version of when the warriors of Gondor go out. Oh. Yeah. Pelennor See, fields. but I think that's what bothers me the most about, like... I could do away with that scene because that scene mm-hmm. where they're leaving and you know they're all going to die yeah. is so emotional and so amazing mm-hmm. that it's like you're trying to duplicate it. I understand there's a lot of shots in this show that they're subtly trying to duplicate shots from Lord of the Lord of the Rings movies mm-hmm. just so people have that little bit of familiarity with it. Yeah. But it's like certain ones, I'm like, I don't know if you need that. I feel... Like, it's almost supposed to be a flip of that scene mm-hmm. yeah. on multiple levels. Yeah. So they're going away. We know at some point Numenor is no longer going to exist. We don't know at what point that's going to happen. but It, it seems feels, like soon. It seems yeah. like soon. That vision so is going to come true. they're leaving. They think, you know, they might die in this war or whatever. They have no idea that the, all their family back home are going to die. Are going to die. All yeah. those people celebrating throwing flowers... They all dead. They all yeah. Dead. yeah, they all They dead. don't go on to live in Gondor. The reason that Gondor has to be established is because. Yeah. Um, so I, I I do find that be more interesting, but the politics of Numenor, I just don't care about. Yeah. I just don't care about. I, I could do with like 40% less of it. Yeah. And like, be happy with the storytelling. And that's the part of the show that really drags for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I get this, oh my God, it's so boring. It's because that... Stuff is like you're saying. It's yeah. Do without. And but that's why people find the Silmarillion boring. Mm-hmm. Is because it's a lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> I will also say uh, while we're talking about uh, uh, filmmaking, I think that uh, the Numenor stuff is all amazing, and I love looking at it. And oh, always... visually, it's this so show pretty. is still the most beautiful show. However, I do I do find it interesting that uh, the leader of the peoples of Numenor who hates elves. Looks a lot like Karl Marx. He does kind of. <laughs> or Rasputin. Oh, that, yeah. That, yeah, that um, guy. But like, so that, that whole storyline, I just don't care about. Every time Elendil's daughter shows up, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. And it's not like I'm a nerd, I don't care about female characters. It's like, I don't care about this female character. You know what, you know what upsets me? Is I feel like we're using her... To get more of that side plot of that guy yeah. that is trying to betray them. She's literally just a conduit to him. Yeah. And that makes me so upset. Because she's like a woman who signed up to be in this guild. And it was like a whole thing. Yeah, that storyline's gone. It, like, are we only allowed one cool badass female character? Yeah. Really? She's gone from that <laughs> to she has this boyfriend who has political connections and now she's trying to use her boyfriend's political connections to stop her brother from going to war. Mm. And it's just like, this is not nearly as interesting a storyline. They're not letting her be a person in her own right. No. She's like, she's the, she's the sister of Isildur and the daughter of that other guy and dating this other dude. And, and it's like, like, 
she's the reason that the other dude stands up to his dad she's like oh you gotta do and ultimately the reason why he burns down Mm -hmm. the boat is she's like you gotta speak louder and like i get it but like i agree with you Uh, it her purpose becomes she's getting kind of like uh you know what fridging is mm. uh so anybody who doesn't know deadpool 2 in the beginning but it's usually typically it's the girlfriend or wife yeah so fridging specifically is like usually you're killing off a female character in order to incentivize a male character storyline this is very much like that except they're not killing her off they're just kind of eschewing her to the side Mm -hmm. And then using the energy generated by putting her on the side to generate this other storyline. Not for nothing. I I know some people have mixed feelings about the Beckadal test just because it's not always a good... It's not always the best marker of mm. things. I don't know if we've passed the Beckadal test in this show. Depends on how you count the interactions between Galadriel and the Queen. I know, Well, they, they talk about... The guy. The guy. The King of Mordor. Yeah. A lot. Or uh, the father, the king. Mm-hmm. Usually their conversations aren't necessarily about their mm. own selves. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And, it's true. And, the, and the sister. And the sister. I don't think she's talked to a single other there's female only, character at all. There's only one female dwarf so far. Yes, know? there's only one female dwarf that has a name and that, ugh. I don't think there's even another... I love her, but I I want more women dwarves, yeah. please. I don't think there's even another female elf in the entire show so far besides Galadriel. I think she's the only female elf we've really <sighs> met and gotten Holy to cow, know. Holy cow, you're right. I never thought of that. Yeah. We, there's like six men, but only one woman. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. No, I don't know why elf. I never processed that. Yeah. That's so. crazy. I, I do love uh, going back to the storyline in the Southlands. Yes. That one woman is, like, really stepping it up. And I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. She was, and then she instantly folds when the one dude takes a bunch of people. The next scene we have of her is her talking to the the elf dude, Mm. Arendir, who I only remember because it's Arendir. But he's talking to her, and she's like, we gotta give up. (laughs) Your people were right about my people. We can't be trusted. We gotta, our best bet is to go. And it's like, she instantly folds... You know why? The scene after. Because it's good character writing. It because is. Because that's the society she lives in and that's what she's used to. Yes. Not for nothing. But I would I would like to see that done a little more clearly, a little more reasonably, mm-hmm. instead of just having her character kind of like instantly flip and say, hey, I'm not going to stand up and, and be the leader of all these people. But like, what the fuck else is she going to do? Stand up and be the leader of the people that stay behind. She tried that. No, but I'm saying like as the the storyline usually goes, you continue even in the face of adversity. You don't say, "I'm gonna give up and go to Mordor." That is a very masculine thing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you know that. Boy, am I glad I'm on this side of the table. (laughs) I I recently went to like an event for like women in my line of work, Mm -hmm. and. There was this whole thing about, and I know this is a little off topic. No, we but, always but it's we're tangent. So um, there was this whole thing about how literally every single person in the room had dealt with being assigned tasks that weren't in your job description and uh, getting interrupted or talked over. Mm-hmm. Literally every single person in the room, a summit of like eighty plus women. Yeah. <laughs> every single one of them at all levels in their career Mm -hmm. in this field no i'm sure like even the two keynote speakers were like yep me too that's crazy so just saying 
No, it's true. Doesn't instill a lot of hope when you 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 give it a good go, and then some crazy old fucker is like, "No, we're gonna go follow the bad guys." Yeah, it's true. That seems like the good idea. But at the same time, this means that she's left in a position where the male ha- character has to come over and give her a pep talk and tell her like, "No." Because there are no other female characters around. No, but this is my problem. Is, is I know. Is that it's it's a several tier problem. It, it is. It's it's Mom, many tiers. Yes, there's only one female character for each storyline. Yeah. With the exception of the Harfoots, who have several female yeah. characters. Oh, 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 and then it's her kid who ends up being like, "Oh, by the way, I have this old ancient artifact." Yeah. It's like cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thanks, kid. Cool. Cool. And <laughs> I love awesome. I love that the elf is like, oh yeah, there used to be this thing over here. And it's like, I get it, he's been here for you know hundreds of years and yeah. everything, but like at the same time, this seems a little so. I don't know. I forgot what I did last week. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> After true. a few hundred years, I don't remember yeah. shit. No, it's just it's just interesting that like <laughs> There just happen to be all these roots covering yeah. this really important thing that and it we happens just to have be to... right here. No, exactly. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, this thing, this thing that explains this other thing. This thing is right here, and it's been here the whole time, just covered in fucking roots. God, that. Well, I could see sword. them like filming the show and coming to that problem, and being like, "Let's put that in. <laughs> Let's do a quick pickup and put that scene in there, just to make this all make sense." Yeah. So I'm excited for this today's episode. Like, I cannot wait. Because of the fact that I think that's the thing the show has been missing is it just has not had a lot of like really solid action. Mm. And I don't mind story building, but it's like you got to throw in. We're going to I'm going to use this as an example for Andor. I think also there's just too many different storylines going on. Mm -hmm. Because like when you look at the Lord of the Ring movies, in reality, there's very few storylines. There's like three main storylines that you're following. And even the side off, the side shoots are still side shoots of the main storylines. They're not like their own Mm storylines. Like at one point in time, everybody was all together. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Everyone was together. The only other separate was when Elrond and, and... and back in Rivendell, we were talking to Arwen. Arwen. Arwen, thank you. You know, that is still a separate storyline, but it's not like a major, like it's, yeah. it kind of plays into what's going on in the main story. Yeah. To where it's like, man, I just, I think they're just going over their skis a little too much. I, I want to see them tighten it up a little bit yes. on a lot of fronts. I think that the action is there compared to some other shows that we've watched recently. Uh, the action is much closer to being there in this than it has been in other stuff. Yeah. This is really silly. I wanted to add that in the timeline of Lord of the Rings, as long as we're talking about it, in Fellowship of the Ring, um, they leave on September 22nd, which is Frodo and Bilbo's birthday. Mm. Uh, so in canon, the day we're recording this, they're in Brie right now. And that's just a fun oh, little thing awesome. I'd like to the share. The Pony. See? <laughs> that is the level of nerd <laughs> trivia we need on a constant basis yes. in this podcast. Because that is, made my heart feel nice and warm right this there. This is why we bring her in. Yes. This is why we bring yes. her in. Yes. Um, but I, the the last thing that I'll say on it, because I, I don't think that there was really anything else in this episode that wowed me in any no. way. They keep on, they're dropping like, is this guy Sauron? Is this guy Sauron? Maybe this guy Sauron. <laughs> Maybe it's Dude, this I one. am tired of that. And um, so, so it's just like pick one. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting a little like they introduced a new group of maybe Saurons in this episode. I was like, what the fuck are we doing? I love I love quote unquote love the way that the King of Mordor stuff worked out in this episode. Yes. And I know he's not the King of Mordor. I just it's fun calling him the King of Mordor. Um, 
but uh, that was the worst character development I've seen oh, yeah. in quite a while where like the episode starts and he has uh, basically traded his way into a guild membership. So he's finally a blacksmith and he's showing off how good a blacksmith he oh is. My God. And then uh, he goes to this meeting and the queen's like, are you actually on board for this? Or is Galadriel just saying you're on board for this? And he's like, I'm uh, and Galadriel's like, he's on board for this. And I'm like, what is the fuck? The queen would definitely not be like, this is okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm tired of that. <laughs> and then like, over the course of the episode, it's supposed to be about him being convinced that this go- that going to war and reclaiming the Southlands is is his you know purpose in life. You never get that. <laughs> it never gets there. But at the end of the episode, he and Galadriel have a uh, a standoff where they're going over whether he should or shouldn't attend this one meeting that's going to decide whether they actually go to Middle Earth and and go to war for the Southlands, and he bangs his sigil that represents his family house on the table and he walks out and he walks back and he grabs it and cut to him in full armor and i'm like this sucks <laughs> guys this is bad this is bad storytelling guys this is just bad storytelling yeah. even if we had like a longer moment of like seeing in his face like if he had like struck it down they have a shot of him like walking toward the camera and out of the room and you see him just like stop and he's thinking. Mm-hmm. And then you just cut to the shot of him grabbing it. Yeah. I think that would have been a little more effective. It, like, literally give me anything more Anything. Here. Because this is not... A, this effectively becomes a sight gag. Yeah. And it's... This is... You're not... That's not the tone you want to strike with this. This isn't supposed to be funny. Yeah. I don't care if he's, like, changing his mind over the course of a few seconds. But can I see it? Can I see it? Since this... Se- he spent the whole last episode and whatever however long it's been since he's shown up. He spent this whole time just griping about how he doesn't want to go back and he doesn't want to do this. And and now that we're finally on board and he's taking the call to action, it's like, can can we can we see it? Can we see this kind of develop in him in yeah. some way through his actions or his face? Or, hell, I'll take dialogue. I'm easy, man. At this point, I'll take dialogue. It's the easiest, most lazy way to get across what somebody's thinking. It's just to fucking have them say it. But you gotta do something for me, man. Or sigh. Like a resigned, like... (sighs) Fine. (laughs) But, like, anything would be better than this, and it's just not there. I love that he's a rogue, though. It is good. It is good. Yeah. Love a good rogue. But it just reaffirms my... This is my least favorite storyline. Well, there's, like... It's just, it's not... There's there's a there's this, this great fight scene uh, with Galadriel versus a bunch of recruits. Oh. So good, um, and he's watching it. And the entire time I'm sitting there, like every time you cut back to them, there should be something that is telling me that he's reconsidering yes. her offer. But instead, all I'm picking up on is him being like, oh, "She's pretty hot." Like that. That's what I'm getting out of these yeah. looks. What I appreciate about that fight scene. Is this is the first real scene since the first episode that shows? Oh, Galandria is a badass. Yeah, she doesn't just walk around in flowing robes. She is the best fighter out of anyone in that yeah. area. She'll yeah. kick the ass of everyone yeah. in the room. And mm-hmm. that's what the expectation was going yeah. into the show, especially after that first episode. You're like, yeah, this woman's a badass, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, she just has flowy robes. There was a lot of and, politics, a lot and of not politics. for nothing, because. Albert and I have been chatting a little bit about She-Hulk because mm-hmm. I haven't been watching it like you guys, but I have like context, and I think that's something that 
when Marvel and other studios are making these female-centered superhero movies, like, they could really take some notes from that scene of Gladriel fighting all those guys. Because yeah. how excellent is it when you see somebody who's, like, so badass that when they're fighting, it looks flawless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That not a hair is out of place. And that's what we want. Okay, guys, that's what women want. That's what we want to see. I'm just how saying. Many, how many years does it take to get another Ellen Ripley in this yeah. freaking world? You know what yeah. I mean? It's like the most badass woman ever. And her last really solid movie was in the mid-freaking 80s. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, dude, come on. Like, the the first half, and this is coming from a guy perspective, I think you enjoyed Wonder Woman the first time you saw it, and less so the second time you saw it, right? Yeah. I The second time I saw it was for my bachelorette party, mm-hmm. and I... That actually wasn't the movie I wanted to see, but that was like the, oh, it's a bachelorette party, we should see Wonder Woman, because, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but like, it was good, but... What movie did you want to see? I can't remember. I wanted to see Baby Driver again. Oh, that's I right. I loved seeing that in theaters. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. yeah. I forgot that was the same summer. Yeah. yeah. But there was something about the second watch of it, and it wasn't as magical, because mm-hmm. I, I noticed certain stuff, and... Try as they might, they were trying with some of the women that were like in London, like helping her along her way. And this is very tangential. That's fine. But it, we live. But there, but there's something so satisfying. Now that I'll pivot back, there's something so satisfying with this Lord of the Rings episode where Gladriel walks out in that full armor. Which side note, that was like one of the first images we got for the mm. show was her in that suit of armor and some delightful cosplayer recreated it from that one image and like brought it to like the fan stuff that they Mm. were doing for promotions and it's like yes this this is this is how you're gonna get us Mm -hmm. keep doing this (laughs) take your notes like i can't wait for that first combat scene with her like fighting orcs that's gonna be just (gasps) orgasmic Mm -hmm. oh my god and her her explaining to those young recruits of like how you're supposed to fight orcs, it's like yes, mwah, yeah. yes, and that's what I've been waiting for. Yeah, more of that, please. Oh, yeah. same. Like it's the, the last few episodes have just taken that character arc. And when just I heard they were on it. when I heard they were doing Galadriel for the show, I was like, bring it the fuck on. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think that the problem is really just that they decided when they got to Numenor that they were going to do a political drama. Yeah, and it just slowed everything way the fuck down. Yeah. just way way the fuck down. Um, anything else? Anything else? Anything else you uh, want to say? I'm excited for the next episode. Yeah, I'm very yeah. excited. Rocking and rolling. But we definitely have to move on to She-Hulk because yes. we yeah. still have four episodes of Andor to talk about too. Thank have you fun. for joining us. Thank you, Kelly. As always, she'll be back next week, folks. Okay, so we She-Hulk episode six, which actually of the six episodes so far, I think easily this is, my favorite. I think episode one is still the best. Episode 6, I think, is the best thing since episode 1. See, well, I'm going to say this is my favorite episode, and it's not even the full episode. Mm-hmm. It's the... The Tim Roth of it all? The Tim Roth, when he has all of the... The some therapy, villains, the group the therapy. therapy, group therapy session. Yeah. I could have watched that for two hours. Well, so this is the thing, is that they finally did a lot of things right. Yes. And so the, the main plot of this week's She-Hulk is that... Um, Something Another is, shadow bad guy yeah. who hooks up with her. Something something has gone wrong with Emil Blonsky's um, inhibitor mm-hmm. chip. Which, side note, when we were going through the whole thing with Blonsky and whether he deserved to be on parole or not, mm-hmm. 
why not just what if you have inhibitor chips why is I'm confused. He should already have an inhibitor chip on him while he's in jail. Mm-hmm. And also, obviously, he would have an inhibitor chip. So why... Yeah, I don't understand. Why was there all this drama? I don't understand. Anyway, anybody who reads comics, specifically X-Men comics, is like, well, but you would already have the inhibitor mm-hmm. on in some way, wouldn't you? Isn't that what you would be doing at this point? Um, anyway, so his something goes wrong. So She-Hulk and another guy, her, his parole officer, have to go and make sure that he's yes. not being the abomination on his his ranch. And so this leads to Jen being on the ranch yeah. for an entire and day. Every second on that ranch, I enjoyed. I thoroughly. you know I actually really liked it thoroughly. I thought I was gonna hate it when they did like when he's showing her around and he's like, "This is our sauna yurt." I was like, "I fucking I can't with this." And he's like, "You're gonna be hurting for a yurt," and I'm like, "I." Swear to God, guys, I, I can't yeah. with this. But it got better. It did. <laughs> it got it's so much better. Better. So the, the, the crux of the episode is that Jen has been going on dates with this guy. Yes. And now who she met at the end of the last episode of the wedding. Yeah. The guy that she met at the wedding, yes. uh, who is now not returning her text messages. Mm-hmm. So she's fretting over not having this guy text her back. And meanwhile, she's stuck at this uh, this resort where there's no Wi-Fi and there's no cell service. So she's wandering around this resort and Blonsky has basically set up this therapy camp, kind of like this hippie commune style mm-hmm. therapy camp. And uh, and I can't tell, are they, I don't think they're all villains. I think it's a mix like, between villains and heroes. There's, there's at least two like F list villains. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're going to get to that okay. because there's something very special about that. And then there's, a guy that I thought was the Matador, he's not the Matador. There is a villain from Daredevil yes. Comics called the Matador. This is not him, um, and that's a kind of a joke that they make a lot. Is yes. that he's not a Matador, <laughs> and including the end where yeah. they show him in high school with the Matador jacket. Yeah, so it's like uh, it, that was very interesting because like the entire time I was like, but he is clearly the Matador, and yes. I had to look it up. And so El Aguila is actually an X Men character. He's from, uh, or not an X-Men character, he's from Heroes for Hire. Okay. Um, he's from, he, he meets Iron Fist and Luke Cage and Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, and he's part of that whole crew. And he does have the electric sword powers, which was righteous. Um, that was awesome. So, like, th- this is the thing, is that this, we were talking about it a little bit before, this is how you do mutants, guys. Is you just have this guy, and he can shoot lightning out of metal objects somehow, yeah. for some reason, and nobody knows why. There you go. He's yeah. a mutant. Ta-da. And in canon, he's a mutant. Ta-da. We can all move on now. And he has that one great shot where he draws a sword. And, he and shoots the bull a guy, that was awesome. Oh, it's so, <laughs> it was like, I, I really actually like, like, yeah. these are elements that I like. Going in and doing F-tier villains who just show up at the bar with no name when you need a group of villains yes. at the bar with no name. Um, and it was the best writing by far. Oh, by far. Of any of these episodes, it was it was still a little too marvelly, a, a little bit, yeah. But I, I think Tim Roth did a great job. He did a great job running the group. He and did a I great was, job just setting the tone of the entire oh, absolutely. thing. And I was so glad they didn't do the. Oh, he really is a supervillain off yeah, to the side. I was I'm waiting so for that. Glad they didn't. I was do waiting that. for that because I saw a um, leak or a sneak or something of a pop figure of Abomination, and he's wearing the same costume he was wearing at the resort. Okay, like the white linen. So I was just waiting for that to happen. 
Um, but it doesn't happen. Yeah. And he just, he's genuinely just running this resort and he's trying to better a bunch of people, including the fucking porcupine who gets a comic accurate costume. Fuck me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when he takes his mask off and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> See, like, I don't fucking care about any of that. The fact that you did porcupine and you did a comic accurate costume of him. Yes. Holy fucking Shit. That this was is such the, a great character. This is the kind of... You serve up like a yes. full-on steak to me. Holy shit, whereas this Ben, I've been waiting so long for anything like this. Yes. And we're here. And we're fucking here. And when when Matador, not Matador, shows up, I was like, oh great, this is going to connect back to Daredevil. It doesn't, because he's not Matador. Yeah. But like, we're getting there. We're doing... There's a guy who says he's a vampire and nobody believes him. <laughs> He's going to be a vampire, guys. That was one of the best interactions where no one believes he's a vampire. Ah, here we go again. Yeah. Where he said, oh, you look very good in your blood. Oh, there we go. It's yeah. like, God damn it. And Man Bull was good. Like, oh, all these Man things. Bull was fantastic. And how they had to separate Matador and Man Bull because they're, I think they're they're two together. Yeah, I think they're, we they're, codependent. they're codependent. They, they work too well together. They need to spend some time alone. So awesome. uh, no, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I was really enjoying it. And then the Wreckers showed up, <laughs> and I got sad. because It was sad, but it took something horrible and at least made it entertaining. Did it, though? He but was entertaining. It. So here's my thing. Yes. Porcupine, Manbull, Matador. These guys are the bottom of the Even barrel. Even Vampire Guy. They, they are... The bottom of the barrel. You might yeah. as well put Leapfrog out there as a character. Oh my god, I love like, Leapfrog. The, this is the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. You can't throw... <laughs> fucking... The record. You, you can't throw the record in with this lump sum of idiots. He's so much more important and powerful and influential and capable in storylines than this mm-hmm. this you guys if you're gonna blow it then just don't do it yeah if you're gonna blow it then just don't do it and let me dream and lament that you haven't done it yet because if this is the only way we're doing the wrecking crew this is awful <laughs> i think it is i think mar i think the mcu sees them as tier but F-tier. they're not i know they're not i, I i'm with you I, i've read all the spider-man and i've seen the wrecking i've seen them like crazy they're a great but foil for thor to them i i think marvel is seeing them as a th- as a throwaway yeah so the only reason i took solace in this scene is because i agreed with you 100 percent on the first time you saw the wrecking crew it was ridiculous yeah and at least they took a component of that and made it entertaining it wasn't, and that's where I that's where I got this show, and why I liked it so much, is it was the first episode where I went into it thinking this is not a superhero show, because I do love I can't remember her name the the yes love her, and it was mainly like even the, the when she was in She Hulk mode in the circle, it was still more of her than it was of a CGI She-Hulk than I have seen in any of the episodes. It was still closer. There were, uh, I'm not going to lie, there were still some floating face issues. Oh, the CGI part still sucks. It, it's still, like, it's problematic. And I just, like, you want to have this differentiation between Jen and She-Hulk. Yeah. And to a degree, it's there, but it's not internal within Jen. Yes. So it's entirely external 
It's like Jen enjoys the way people treat She-Hulk. Except when she was talking about having the beautiful friend and you're not and the beautiful friend is her in it. Yeah. So you can kind of get a little of that internal struggle that she's having. Yeah. Because she knows that she's the ugly friend and the beautiful friend in one person. Yeah. And that part I liked when yeah. she was talking like that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I just like, I, I feel like we've had too little of that and it's oh, been, there's been too little too sparse. Lot there's just been a lot of really like super fluffy kind of just nonsense doesn't yeah. go anywhere not meaningful it's all for a joke it's all played for a joke and that's what made this episode so great is i felt satisfied at the end of mm-hmm. it which i have not in any of the other episodes there was definitely a sense of while they're playing a lot of things off for a joke it's not as dismissive yes as it has been in the past that being said i'm not gonna lie i'm really tired of this fishing line that says daredevil on it that mm-hmm. you want me to bite on i'm really annoyed because you first off you got rid of the tag which just like you did three episodes of tags at the end of the credits and then you were like we're not going to do that anymore yeah that still blows it, my mind. it pisses me off um the entire time this entire time all i can think Whenever they they talk about or tease or like bring up that Daredevil's coming or like drop, you know, little... uh, Like the mask in the box. Yeah, exactly. Or like articles online, like, oh, this is what's the... Daredevil's coming. And I'm just sitting there like, why does he leave Hell's Kitchen? Yeah. I need to know. I need to know. And there's no way the answer is going to be satisfactory. And I know that at one point, Matt relocates to San Francisco. I know. Guys... I know. This Matt Murdock is like super focused mm. on Hell's Kitchen. So why is he suddenly... See, I'll be honest though. At this point of the show, I don't want Daredevil in it. Because mm. his tone should not be the tone of this show. Oh. This and is going to so, be Kingpin in a Panama hat all over yeah, again. And that's why I don't care that he's not in the show. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, I don't want to see him in this tone. It needs to be Daredevil Season 3. Yeah. That's the tone. And that is a thousand light years away from this show. This is what concerns me, is just what I said about the Wrecking Crew. Yeah. If you're not going to do it well, I'd rather you didn't do it. Exactly. And now I'm looking at Daredevil, and I'm just like, are you going to do this well? Are you going to blow it? I'm really worried you're going to blow it. Because all the shots I've seen of it look like you're blowing it. Yeah. And this isn't going to be as easy as having Matt Murdock show up as Peter Parker's lawyer and catching a brick out of midair. Yeah. No looking a brick out of midair. Like, that was a slam dunk, easy cameo. Yeah. This is going to have to be something. Yeah. And at least with the amount of pump-up work you've done on this, it's going to have to be something. And at this point, I'm like... Is it going to be the last scene of the last episode of the season? I think it absolutely is. You know, like, that's what I'm getting to at this point. It's like, this isn't going to actually happen this season, is it? No. You're going to be doing all this shit, and you're going to be leading us on the whole way, and it's not actually going to happen this season. Yeah. So. And it'll be a, a stupid fourth wall break to yeah. leading up to another one. Yeah. No, I... I mm. So, once again, I'm I'm still reluctantly watching this show, but I, I am happy that I actually have... I can say I have enjoyed one of these shows. One of these episodes since the first enjoyed. one has actually been good. Yeah. I still, the uh, the best way I can phrase it is this has been a, a crazy busy week for me as I covered people's desks and, and worked mm. on a bunch of accounts and had to deal with my own work on top of it. And, um, 
usually at, at one point or another during the day i'll get exasperated and just kind of you know shout out to no one in particular what i'm angry and frustrated mm-hmm. about and at that point wilson my dog will come over and kind of shove his way under my arm so he can sit on my lap and make me feel better mm-hmm. and this had been going on like nine or ten times a day for the first three days of this week mm-hmm. and then thursday things finally calmed down and so I'm like just relaxing and I'm enjoying myself. And Friday, things are going pretty smooth. There's a few things, but it's nothing I can't manage. It's all manageable. And then I start watching She-Hulk and then I start screaming at the screen. And Wilson comes over and is like, are you okay? You don't seem like you're okay. Yeah. You're really angry about this wrecker thing. And I'm like, I know, but I can't fucking help it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I can't do it. I think back to New Avengers 2. I think back to New Avengers 1 where the wrecker breaks out of prison and it's a big fucking deal and you send luke cage and spider woman and spider man to go and bring him back oh and wolverine excuse me oh also wolverine is also there because you know it's a fucking wrecker and you need these people to do it it's not nothing Anyway, I like this episode more than yes. any of the other ones. That was that was a nice little turn and twist and turn and tunnel to get to what you ended with. All right, so we have to move on to Andor. Yes. We have the first four episodes of Andor to talk about. Now, they did drop the first three in one night. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they're only a half hour each long, so mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing. And then um, we have the fourth one this week. Now, let me preface this by saying, next to The Mandalorian, this is my favorite Star Wars show. Mm-hmm. I am biased because I love Rogue One, and this is 1,000% in the tone of Rogue One. This has a lot of the feel of Rogue One. There's one element of it that I'm getting a little impatient with, which we'll get to. But I came into this show after Obi-Wan and after Book of Boba Fett. I came into the show fully expecting this to be a dumpster fire of just like, this is going to be bad. This is going to be totally all over the place. They're not going to know what they want to do. And... Ultimately, it's going to fall on its face, just like Obi-Wan did, where it's just like, we come in... And it it absolutely has not. No, it it has really surprised me. Including episode four, which is... It's what I was going to go on with this. We'll start with episode one. This show is what... Lord of the Rings, why I have an issue with that. Mm -hmm. Because this show so far, not a lot has happened. No. But... Very inciting incidents have happened. Yes. But the story... The acting, the writing, the scenery, mm-hmm. the special effects are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Top notch. And so that has made it like, oh my God, like I want to know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Like I'm so, like you kind of know where this is going, of course, because everyone knows where the story ends if you've seen Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But just watching, like the tone in the very first episode, mm-hmm. how they set the tone where he shoots the guy in the head. Yeah. And it's very similar to, once again, in Rogue One, where he kills the dude in the beginning, and you're like, okay, now I know who this guy is. Well, it's that it's a reminder that Cassian... Is not a good guy. Well, Cassian is the closest thing we've gotten to Han Solo since Han shot first. Yes. Ever since 1998, when Han no longer... The McClunky event, ever since McClunky entered the zeitgeist of, mm-hmm. of pop culture... Uh, we haven't really had that kind of Han Solo that exactly. you know you like, uh, and Cassian is one hundred percent that Han Solo. He's the Han Solo we wanted to see in other movies. He's this so far has been what I wanted Solo yes. to be. Thank you. Is like this. This it is a genuine origin, but it doesn't feel like it tarnishes no too much. There's one thing that has 
it keeps coming back to my mind, which is that in Rogue One, Cassian is arguing with Jin about who cares more about the rebellion. And he says to her, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. And I'm looking at the show, and I'm looking at that statement, and I'm looking at the show, and I'm looking at that statement. I'm saying, I can kind of halfway see what you're well, saying here. He despised... Cause, okay, let's. It, it, there are flashbacks in the show for those yes. of you who want to catch on. There are flashbacks in the show to Andor, which they haven't come out and said it, but this is very similar to like the colony and aliens that they just forget about and leave them because they know something happened. Yeah. Well, th- this is part of an uh, imperial mining colony that some massive accident happens and they just abandon it and leave all the settlers and people that live there. They leave all the kids. Leave all the kids. And that, it's like a Lord of the Flies type thing with the kids when you meet them. Well, they're in a ship crashes and one of the kids gets killed by, um, they're Imperial. They seem like Imperials. Yeah, they seem Imperials. And Andor goes into like a rage yeah and starts tearing apart the well ship. he sees a picture he sees a reflection of himself yes this is what i took from it was that they've been trapped on this planet for who knows how long probably his whole life and easily. uh this is the first time he's seen a real reflection of himself not like in the water or something like a, a crystal clear reflection mm-hmm. of himself and he sees just how much older he is and he fucking loses it loses his shit and like the fact that i can make that kind of assertion tells you what kind of storytelling we're yes. actually dealing with here um and it's but it, it this whole storyline takes place over the course of three episodes yes it's something that they keep cutting back to and the the back and forth i will say is better than it was in book of boba fett where you had those two yes. first episodes that were super flashback heavy and then you had the last four episodes which had nothing to do with yeah. the first two episodes. It has a little bit of the first season of The Witcher in it. Yeah. To where you're watching it and it transitions to modern and it, it doesn't, there's no transition. There's no transition point. So you're like, oh, this, we're, yes. The, the timeline flows really seamlessly, which is actually something I really like. That again is a, a, a telltale of really good filmmaking. Yes. Is that you don't feel lost as this, this uh, team kind of flips back mm-hmm. and forth between the past and the present. Um, I, I did find it interesting. The inciting incident for the entire show is Cassian is looking for his sister. Yes. He goes to a strip club looking for her. There's some assholes at the strip club who don't like him. I don't like you either. Um, you'd be dead. Which, let's talk about these guys real quick. Yeah. I like the fact that since this is the beginning of the Empire, they have outsourced some of their security yeah. on other worlds to this company. Yeah. And that's who these guys work That's for. who these guys are. Yeah. These aren't Empire I guys. I love that idea. I'm like, that's, that's really a genius clever. fucking idea. Yeah, that's really Because it makes sense. If you're just starting to build this empire, you're not going to be able to take care of all the planets, so you outsource. Yeah. Well, and like they, they are, they're not necessarily just building the empire, but they've gotten to this point where they understand that this is the easiest way yes. to, to handle you know, outer rim systems as you just hire people from that area mm-hmm. to, to take care of it for you. Um, so these two guys follow Cassian and, and give him the shakedown. And while they're giving him the shakedown, Cassian headbutts one guy and kills him. Yeah. <laughs> and Shoots just, him in the effing head. No, no, no. I'm talking oh, about the oh, first yeah, guy. Oh, yeah, the first guy, yes. The, the first, first guy, guy he just straight up headbutts backwards because yes. the guy is standing right behind him. So he does the headbutt backwards and the guy just falls down dead. And that was like the, the first moment of like real doubt I had of like, how is this going to yeah. go? But then he kills the other guy. Who's begging for his life. Yeah. Which is even harder. Yeah. It's like, holy crap, And, like, dude. immediately goes into, 
run mode. Yes. Um, and so you see like him going about his business on this planet, uh, Fenix, which is not uh, Boba Fett's right hand uh, woman, Fennec. Uh, this is a, a planet called yes, Fenix, Fenix. <laughs> which I just every time I heard it, I was just like, there has to be someone in the room that is telling you you can't have a character named Fennec and a planet called Fenix. What is kind of similar to Tolkien, where a lot of the names are off by one letter. It's you know true, I mean? but those usually make sense. They make sense, but yeah, but it's usually like, it's like a family name or that's something. True. That is true. Um, it, so anyway, you have this officer who's incensed. That these two members of the security force, that aren't actually members of the security mm-hmm. force, have been killed. And so he decides, even though he's told to leave it alone, that he's going to form a posse and, and figure out yeah. what happened. And this is the storyline that I've begun losing patience with. Because it's interesting, it's interesting, yes. it's dynamic, and then it keeps going. See, here's the thing. They could pay off this character in a big way yeah, by making him like a psychotic. That's what I'm or, wondering. That's what I'm hoping. Because he goes home to his mom and has that whole interaction with his mom. And I'm just sitting there like, so So, long story short with what happens yes. is he gets a posse together. They go rah-rah. We're military men. We're going to go in and, and knock some heads. Uh, it does not go well. Yes. <laughs> uh, several people are killed, possibly by accident, possibly on purpose. The, mm. the, the crashed um, lander. Which I do like that all of their tech looks like it's from the Clone Wars. Yeah. That's cool. That is really cool. That the, the Empire has kind of farmed out their old Clone Wars tech to this security office. Yes. That I like a that lot. That is pretty badass. That's really cool. But their so their gunship takes off and is anchored to something. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell if the guy just forgot to take off the anchor or if no, because Andor's if you... friend attached the anchor by the, the way ship. his friend walked away from the ship yeah he definitely attached it so that was something where i was like i that was one of those things also like they make a big deal of the the gloves that the people wear when they work which i love the art design i love the guy it's who so comes amazing. in and bangs on the anvil. Yes. i love that and how he warms up and yeah. like does his stretches and everything so it's like it's interesting because the the motifs and the the art design are really good i just wish that they would kind of again just tighten it up mm. just a little bit just tighten it up i like that on canary the planet where he's from mm. uh they don't translate what any of the kids are saying no and they don't have any subtitles yeah no, no subtitles whatsoever. there's no translation at all i thought that was great That's I, brilliant. I love that. i love when they do that yeah and I love the, that we find out why he left, which is that he just gets picked up by this woman who finds him trashing this Imperial ship. And she's like, she tells him, he doesn't The understand. Imperials are coming. The You're Imperials are coming. Die. I, that was the only thing, is I wanted to see some sign that she was right, that the Imperials were coming as they were leaving. Well, I'm wondering if there's going to be another flashback. Maybe. We'll there see. could always be. So, like, we'll we'll see. But it's... I do like it. I think Stellan Skarsgård is fucking killing it. Dude. Dude. We're going to have to talk about this. Yeah. Before we get into that. Because holy shit. Yeah. There was a part in the first episode that had me so worried. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm so grateful that it was a one-off thing. When you first see the droid going through the streets and those little, like, rat-like creatures runs up and one farted on him. Yeah. I was... No, peed on him. Peed Peed on him. him. I was like, oh, no, there's the Disney humor. They're going to ruin this. There has been no humor in any other episode. I actually really like that droid, too. The droid's awesome. I So, with Star Wars, you're always trying to innovate how you do the droids. Yes. Because you can't just do C-3PO and R2-D2. You gotta do BB-8. Because, like, so now R2 has grown into BB-8, 
And you also had one of the things that made Rogue One interesting was that you had K2, yes. who is this wisecracking, snarky kind of um, self-aware robot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they tried to do that again in Solo with this kind of yeah. um, social justice warrior Who's robot. Who's now the, the voice of the Millennium Falcon. So the, the brain of the, the Millennium, brain Millennium Falcon. Falcon. Oh my god, that still haunts me. Yeah, that, that's like a that's Twilight cool. Zone episode in the middle of that movie for no reason. Yeah, that's For cool. no fucking reason. But here, we see... A robot, a droid, who's just, like, really old and run down. Yeah. And so, at one point, Cassian goes to him and says, can you lie for me? And he's like, yeah, I have enough memory space to lie for you. And it's like, oh, cool. I love this. Yeah. I love watching this this geriatric droid who stutters and, and you know, crawls around at a snail's pace. I I actually genuinely really yeah. like this droid. It doesn't feel like so many other and droids. And I can't tell if it's practical or CGI, I but think whatever it's practical. It is, it's got to be because it looks amazing. It looks so good. It looks really great. Uh, and its name is B2 Emo. <laughs> Which is awesome. I had to text that to a buddy of mine because I was like, you got to be shitting yeah, me. It's so great. <laughs> you named the droid B2 Emo? Oh my All right, God. So now that we talked about the droid, we've got to talk about Stellan Skarsgård, who is. Introduced as supposedly a buyer mm-hmm. for uh, an item that Andor has, but in reality, he's after Cassian. Mm-hmm. He's he's coming after him because he wants to recruit him to be a part of this growing rebellion. He's one of the grandfathers of the rebellion. Yes, him. He's like Saw Guerrero's. He's like above Saw number, Guerrero. Yeah, yeah, like he's he's this big guy. Holy shit! The beginning of Episode Four, where he changes his persona, mm-hmm. was. Again, just mind-boggling great. Great acting, great filmmaking. Something yes! that we haven't seen from Star Wars in over no. a year. Like, it just amazing, great acting. And that, oh my God. by today's episode, I was actually excited to watch the show. Yeah. Because, it, it, you know, I started watching it a few nights ago. I was like, I don't know about this. I watched two more episodes last night. I was like, this is getting a lot better. And then by this morning, I was like, you know what? I genuinely want to watch the show. I genuinely want to watch And I don't know they where did. they filmed episode four. I think they're filming all of this in that bubble, in that that super stage that they have where they film Mandalorian. But that can't be where they were walking. I mean, that had to be in, like, New Zealand or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, because it's, um, like, it was gorgeous. It was like I was watching Lord of the Rings again, like, where they were walking in the fields and all that. I was like, holy shit. And then the scene where the TIE fighters go by and all that, I was like, this is incredible. Yeah, this is really good. Really good. And the only negative is it ended way too abruptly. Mm Mm-hmm. This episode. It that's, did, the, oh, that's my only... Uh, it negative. did get cut off real fast. Like, oh my god, it cut end, really quick. Where they're like, this is the mission. You need to memorize all these facts and... He just looks around a little yeah. bit and then it cuts. Can I have my food? And they're like, yeah. you can have your food as long as you know all this by the morning. And but Diego Luna is Diego Luna's so fucking great. killing it. He's fucking killing it. And so is his... Um, the the girl. I don't think it's... It's not a sister. The one oh, who Bix. runs the shop. Bix. Yeah. She is fantastic. She's also great. That's the thing is that so we were talking before about how uh, the Rings of Power is underwhelming because there's just so many characters that you genuinely don't care about. Exactly. Whereas with Andor, one of the things that they've actually been really good at is introducing characters and having you kind of like them. And then the more you get to know them, the more you're like kind of really like this person so when bix is handcuffed to a railing and just watches her boyfriend die, die. You're and just she's like, going Shit. through that mix because he betrayed them mm-hmm. but she also literally just got out of bed with him yeah 
And she has to watch him die. Yeah. And then stare at his corpse. And she's possibly concussed. Yeah. It's just like... It's like, incredible. Just the, her face. Like, she didn't even have to say anything. No. Just the pain. They don't force anything no. here. There's so many moments where it felt so truly forced. Yeah. This does make me kind of look at Robert Rodriguez and say, were you the problem with Book of Boba Fett? I think you might have been the problem. But, like, it's Boba it's Fett. amazing. Watching the first two seasons of The Mandalorian and then going into this, mm-hmm. and you're like, how could they have fucked up those other two episodes series so bad? How is Obi-Wan as bad as it is? Well, same with Book of Boba Fett. How are those two shows? Like, Book of Boba so Fett, bad. the first two episodes are, are Yeah, and then the weird. Mandalorian episode. Like, five yeah, episodes are great. This, yeah. this was my point, is yeah. that the first two episodes are, are interesting, they're not bad, they're not good. The third episode is bad. Fourth and fifth are just Mandalorian. Yeah, so <laughs> and and then the sixth is just a finale. Yeah. So it's like, I... I Obi-Wan is the one that baffles me. Yeah. Because there's truly nothing effective in it. There's no. there's elements of it that work, but in terms of effective storytelling or affective storytelling, either storytelling that makes you feel something or storytelling that looks cool, this had some cool stuff, but it was way bogged down by how shitty mm-hmm. so many elements of the show were. Um, I think a great example is... Uh, the friend that I, I texted that there's a droid named B2 Emo. Mm-hmm. He's a huge Star Wars guy. The first time I ever celebrated May the 4th was with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he hasn't watched Obi-Wan, and I keep mm-hmm. telling him, don't watch Obi-Wan. Just don't watch it. I told him, Andor? Actually pretty good. Dude. Actually well, pretty it, good. It sticks by my assertion that I don't dislike the universe of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about the Skywalker saga. Because mm-hmm. when you get away from that, I love the world building that's happening. Like, I love this world. Mm-hmm. Like, the Mandalorian seasons, the first two seasons, and then this. Even though the Mandalorian touches a little bit on the Skywalker saga, but not a ton. There's some little inputs Luke, here and there. Luke kind of walks through the plot. Yeah, and the and the Ahsoka stuff and yeah. the, the Baby Yoda. So you're getting a little taste of it, but it doesn't have the tone of the Skywalker saga. There's not and like neither does this. There's not like this whole Jedi Council thing, you know? There's yeah. I mean, there's, they, you haven't even heard the term Jedi. No, once. No, it's it's not in four episodes. Yeah. Of, it, of, Andor. Yeah, that's the other thing is that it does that's how it feels like a Han Solo show. Yeah. Is that it has that sense of the the world that Han Solo came from back in 1977 mm-hmm. where he didn't know jack shit about the force because it didn't mean shit to him. Mm-hmm. You get that here. You get that understanding that there's entire pockets of the world where the force just doesn't mean anything yeah. to them. And I loved like once again not to bash on Rings of Power cuz I do enjoy it, but the politic part is kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. But this, like, especially in episode four, when you have the Imperials meeting and then you see the inter conflict. Yes. It was amazing. Like was I want to really see good. more of that. That was really, really good. I was super impressed with that. I, I was so impressed with the old man that's ordering them all around in the way that he's Who running was the meetings. The, the maester in um That's Game how of I knew him. That's yeah. okay. He was Cersei's like right hand yeah. man in those shows. I, I was looking at him and I was like, you haven't been in Star Wars, but you've been in old curmudgeon and something. Yeah. I can't remember what. Um but he that that whole thing that's one of those things that it could get a little dicey here because you have this uh, this divide where you have uh, one guy who's basically gone to the security team mm. and said, hey, uh, you all fucked up real bad. And uh, not only are you in deep shit, 
uh, we are firing your entire company. Yeah. The Imperials are taking <laughs> the over. The Imperials your are just going to handle this themselves. Yeah. You, we don't need but you. That's anymore. what I love so much about this is not only are you seeing the birth of the rebellion, but you're really seeing the growth. Yeah. Of the Imperials. What the and Imperials that's... are and what they mean to the people yes. of this galaxy. Exactly. And that's the only reason I'm willing to put up with um, Boy Scout, his whole storyline. Yes. The guy who gets all Eye of the Tiger and decides to start a war on Fennex. I want to see how that goes. But at the same time, this be very careful. Because this is one of those things where you have that guy who fires everybody from the security team. He's in now an inner office rivalry with this other woman who wants information because of the thing that Cassian stole was from her division. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just sitting there like, this is interesting. Be very careful how you proceed. See, I don't think they're going to delve too much deeper into that. I think they're giving you a little taste. It felt so deliberate, the fact that they kept coming back to it. Mm-hmm. It really makes me wonder if these aren't going to be recurring characters. I don't know. We'll see. That's interesting. We'll see. So um, as long as they do that well, and they use that as an opportunity to show how the Empire works and how uh, kind of the society of the Empire goes. Because yeah. one of the things that I love is they bring back Mon Mothma. Woo, Mon Dude. Mothma! Not only do they bring her back, she's incredible! She's really good. And that scene between her and her husband where she's confronting him because he's brought in these people to this dinner that are... That she hate her? Hate her and she hates them. Yeah. And, it's like you can see that she has 100% rebellion in her, mm-hmm. but he's 100% on the Imperial side, but yeah. they're married. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, that was so good. You want to talk about doing politics right. This does politics Dude. right on a lot of levels. But once again, it all boils down to the writing and the acting are so good. The directing, the so good. the style of it, it just it's clearly very well thought out. The same kind of feeling that Mandalorian has. Where every fee, every decision feels very meticulous. Yes, they've thought this out. They are going down a set path. They know what they're doing. They're not getting distracted by shiny yes. baubles and things that we could be doing because this is Star Wars. They're just like, no, this is what we're doing. This is the story that we're telling, and there's not any sense. Again, this is the best Star Wars stories are not beholden to canon. Exactly. The only thing you're beholden to is that Cassian Andor has to be on this planet when it blows up. Yes. Which they mention in episode four. They, they talk about how there's all this new action in this corner of the galaxy because they're building the planet. And the planet is the, the I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one from the end of Rogue One. Yes. And it, it's just like, okay, these are things building the world. Making the world yeah. feel more full and understanding of how everything works and where decisions come from and how cause and effect work in this mm-hmm. universe. This I can get behind. And even though we've only seen it briefly, I think this is the best Coruscant has looked. Oh, yeah. Out of all the movie shows. Oh, anything. yeah. It looks like, almost looks like Cybertron. Like, mm-hmm. I think they made it too pretty in, like, the prequels. And it's like, no, it's... It's a political planet that's just full of buildings and metal, it's, and it's not supposed to be beautiful. The entire planet is literally one big city. Yeah. So it's like, wrap your mind around that. Exactly. And, and it seemed like it in this. It did. It did. I really like... God, still in Skarsgård is just fucking dude, killing it. Dude. Like, everybody's killing it. Diego Luna's doing a fucking great job. All the unknowns that they've brought in to play the characters that come in and out of the plot, they're all fucking great. I'm yeah. so impressed with all of them. Holy shit, Stellan Skarsgård is fucking acting his 
ass off in this. I lo- I've loved him since I saw him. I think the first thing I ever saw him in was Hunt for Red October when he played the, oh, yeah. the sub-captain. The one I always go back to is Goodwill Hunting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he's... Like, it's one of those It's one of those performances that you're like, this takes the show to a different level. Yeah. He's not even in the first episode. No. I don't think we meet him until the end of the second episode. And then the third episode... Or, no, it's, it's during the second episode because he has that whole conversation with the old man. Yes. Who's like... Oh, planet's not as good as it used to be. Don't get, you know, don't buy any wood and nickels. Mm-hmm. You know, like all these other maxims and whatnot. Don't stay in the hotel. They'll gouge you. And and then the third episode is just him and Cassian being like, you should join my team. And Cassian being like, and then I don't she, trust then you. running away on the speeder bike. That was good. That yeah. whole action sequence so against the security team. With the building collapsing around him and everything. <sighs> that was really good. And that shot, which they ended the last episode, or they ended episode three with and started episode four with, was... With them going across the landscape on the speeder. Yeah. Looked amazing. And then, like, either going over this, like, it almost looks like a rice paddy. Yes. And, oh, And you man. can see the water the kicking water up. The water rippling. I like, oh, no, I really am good. absolutely in love with the show. I am blown away at how much I liked it. Because I really, really thought it was going to be dumpster fire. And it's not perfect. There's certain elements of it that I definitely wonder about. Mm-hmm. How this, my, my... I feel like a teacher at the back of the classroom being like, where are you going with this? Mm-hmm. It better be somewhere good because you're taking a lot of time. So The uh, one thing this, this series has given me is faith. Yeah. In the series. It's so given like, me faith in Mandalorian Season 3, which oh, was yes. seriously wavering yes. there. I was getting really worried. Especially because people were, pardon my French, sucking the dick of both Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan ways too much. I don't know why people like them. I don't even... I don't get it. Episode 4 and 5 of Book of Boba Fett, you know, those are their Mandalorian episodes. Yes. Boba Fett's not even in them. No. <laughs> um, so, like, in Episode 6, uh, it's a 50%er for me. Yeah. It's Ultimately, there are elements of it that I do like. But it's entirely handicapped by the fact that none of it has to happen. And the, there's no good rationale within the body of the plot as to why this has to happen. And that's basically all of Obi-Wan. Yeah. <laughs> Things happen. There's no rationality but for it's it. It's like, especially because Obi-Wan, like if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan takes such a shit on the canon. <laughs> it really does. It doesn't make sense to me that you would like it. It, it goes back to that flash gets mm-hmm. that I showed you, where it's just a big pile of poop and they throw a lightsaber and dead Princess Leia and the guy's like, Star Wars! Yeah. That's what Obi-Wan is! It's literally the manifestation of that, where it's like, we're going to get a big pile of shit, but throw in things that you recognize and you're going to like it. It's the, the whole thing boils down to that one scene of Obi-Wan and Hayden Christensen training. And they did not de-age. Not at all. And like that's the entire <laughs> show to me is just like I had forgotten about that. So you much. have so much technology and so much capability, and you're not gonna use oh. it for the the things that you should be using it for. But you are going to use it for other things that you shouldn't be using it for. Dude, how did I forget? I I, I have tried to put that show out of my mind that I totally forgot about. It's, that. So, it's bad. so bad. It's so, so righteously, <laughs> incredibly bad. It's like, oh, Anakin was in his 40s. 40s. And wait a second, he doesn't have the scar in his face. So this takes place prior to Revenge Detective, of the Sith. Yeah. This yeah. takes place around the second movie. I, I interpret it as this taking place at the beginning of the second movie when yeah. they show up to protect Padme. 
That's, that's how I interpreted that's that That's literally scene. how it's it looks. It's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's so... Astro, like that, that, and big fire, big, small fire, okay. Those are, are the two moments on oh that show God. where I'm just like, I just point to him like, this is unacceptable. Like, I don't care if you have this great scene of Obi-Wan lifting a bunch of fucking rocks and he's going to throw them all at Darth Vader. This is unacceptable. This is unacceptable. And then you get to like, we don't need to go over it, but like. No, you just made me think. Because when you were saying that that point was the point for you, mine is still always going to be where they get to that blockade in the middle of the desert and they spend all that time trying to figure out how the thing to go up and they could have just walked around it. And I was like, oh, shit. Jesus fucking Christ almighty. No, yeah. there's so much wrong. We could go on forever. But yeah, I was about to say, we can't relitigate Obi-Wan. I, I cannot stress enough how excited I am to watch. And that's what I love about it is not since Strange New Worlds has there been a show that I'm excited to see the next episode. There's so many shows this year. So many shows this year. And this didn't happen last year. No. We had a good year last year. We, we had fun. We reviewed things that were coming out as they came out. There was not this frustration that we've we've had yes. prolonged this whole year. I would say since episode six of Moon Knight really on, yes. with the exception of Strange New Worlds, we've been deep on Disney Plus's side of the fence, and we've been extremely underwhelmed yeah. <laughs> by everything that and they've done. The funny part is, this could be the year of the largest amount of bad shows I've ever seen mm-hmm. mixed with the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. Because of Strange strange Things, Strange New Worlds, Andor, mm-hmm. potentially Willow, which I'm looking forward to see what that's going to be like. Yeah. But then you have all the shit. Like, it's it's such a massive spectrum. Yeah. But there's it's it's mainly on the shit side. It's which really is the bad part. like like it's incredible. It's it's really quite striking to be like, man, Halo was awful. Like Halo was so bad we had to stop watching it. That is still the, the pinnacle. Yeah. As bad as Obi Wan was. We didn't stop watching it. We still watched it. Because I think and that's the thing. Like we watched it because I think we enjoyed bitching about it as much as enjoying the show where halo was just so bad it would have been too easy yeah well halo we didn't care about and the writers didn't care the writers came out and said we don't care about the canon yeah so we're like and then master chief sucks so i mean right there master chief took off his helmet at the end of episode one i was like so you're not gonna take this seriously it's like none of you ever watched the stallone judge (laughs) dread you you? don't you You never watch that you like there's such the the 90s adaptation of pop culture stuff yes is so of its own time. And Halo and, was right there with And it. it's such of that kind of ill. I was of like, so waiting for Rob Schneider to show up somewhere. <laughs> just, it had all those earmarks of like, we don't fucking care, nerds. Yes. We don't fucking care. We're here for the money, nerds. Money. money. <laughs> we heard you have a money tree. Yeah, it's we, we have this whole history that goes with this money tree. No, 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 no. We're going to cut down the money it's tree. Like, it's like those awesome pitch meeting um, videos yeah. on YouTube where he says, money, money, I like money. I like and money. then he forgets all the bad stuff. Yeah. Like, that's exactly how it is. Uh, but Andor right. has the least of that. No, of I love it. I can't time. wait to watch it. All right, we've been talking for a million years. Yeah. Holy cow, I am not going to be able to sleep, but I need to. Great show we love it great episodes um cannot wait for more this has been episode 72 of nerdpod generations we really hope you enjoyed it if you want to hear more or, or see more about us you can go to youtube.com to, to see our videos or you can go to our personal websites mine is stalebooks.com i'm at jetsomstudios.work under the bronx division tab cannot wait for next week folks 
we will see you then. We're going to have a great time. We're going to get into October, and we might start getting some scary, spooky season Can't stuff wait. going on pretty Can't soon. Wait. Certain werewolf starts prowling around next Friday. So, And you and I, and people who have listened to our former episodes, know that you and I are big about werewolves. Oh, so. we like werewolves. We, yeah, we're big do. fans of werewolves. All right, All right folks, folks. Have a good night. Have a great week, friends and enemies. Mm-hmm.